Welcome back to the Working Fans Podcast, episode 211. I am here with the man called Dave, AJ Strange Brew, and we had a big loss in wrestling this week. Terry Funk died a couple days ago. Guys, why don't you share some Terry Funk stories, thoughts? Let's kick off this tribute. Since we've had this show, I've talked nauseam almost probably how much Flair and Funk was one of my favorite all-time feuds in 89. It's ironic because even before Funk's death this week, I stumbled upon a video of him in his first debut in the WWF at the time where he starts beating up the ring attendant who basically put on his cowboy hat. And it was always interesting to me because that was the first time I saw Terry. And he just something about Terry Funk drew you in. Like I didn't even, as a kid, I don't know what's going on, but there's something drawing me in. To the point I thought about this this week, I've mentioned before, AJ knows this about Kamala, Abdullah the Butcher, guys that scared me because of appearance. There were three guys on the top of my list who didn't necessarily, they didn't look like a savage, but the way they talked and the way they acted and the way they carried themselves made them scary. Brian Adias. <laughs> Dr. D. David Schultz, Rowdy Piper, and Terry Funk. There was just something about Funk, the way he talked. You go back to those old TNT segments with Vince and Lord Alfred Hayes, and they're in some like bar where it's supposed to be kind of fun. And it's the way Funk talks to Alfred Hayes. There's a little racial tones too during Funk around this time, but he's a scary, scary man. The way he could, the way, he was very believable. The thing about Terry Funk's character was is that he added those racial tones in there. Because it was part of the character. I want to be clear about something. Terry Funk, through the years, worked with many African-American talents, worked with promotions all around the world. He was big in Japan, wrestled in Puerto Rico, throughout a lot of different areas. And one of the things he was always known for was being a part of the locker room and being somebody always willing to help everybody. So I do want to clarify that that was very much just part of the character and not part of who Terry Funk was. My first memories of Terry Funk are a little bit different. I, I do remember that time that Dave was talking about, but the first time I ever saw Terry Funk was actually going against Dusty Rhodes in Florida Championship Wrestling. And he was playing a maniac already. Don't get me wrong. He was playing the same character that he was playing in the WWE, but it was more of just that Funk versus Rhodes, Texas versus Texas feud. And they both were insane. I think probably... If not the first time that I saw Terry Funk was in WWE, it was on the ICP's Strangle Mania tapes. And even though the tapes are hilarious with the commentary they do, watching Terry Funk in these very extreme bloody matches, he was kind of like the forefather of that overly extreme style that we have now. He was the first person I saw ever use a table the way that we use it now when he attempted to put Ric Flair through the table. At that point, they did not know that it's a good idea to pre-break tables and hence them both bouncing off of the table and probably causing more damage than they needed to. But... I just watched that this morning. That was disgusting. And even Jim <laughs> Ross talking about Ric Flair's neck going to the side oh, yeah. and really selling it. It was, and I mean, well, especially those about that angle. How we got to remember, those of us who were fans in that era, too, we were all well aware of the fact that Ric Flair had, coming back, had come back from a broken back from an airplane crash. Right. So to now have his neck possibly broken in this angle, it, it was absolutely terrifying as a young child. Realism. We talked about it before. That angle. How many times when you were a kid 
your mom tell you, don't play with plastic bags. Don't put plastic bags on your face. You know, you're going to suffocate. Terry Funk took a plastic bag, wrapped it around Ric Flair's head. They had to point they actually had to apologize for this afterwards on WCW Saturday night. I remember when they had the microphone, which was such a great touch and revolutionary for the time. Funk is slapping Ric Flair in the head before he power drives him and says, you remember your neck, Flair. You remember your neck. You remember the crash. All very real. And Funk talks about that in his book where it's all about doing that little thing to make you doubt whether this is real or not. Another thing is, is that one of the most annoying things being a wrestling fan is that every person who's not a wrestling fan thinks they're a genius. And the first thing they want to tell you is, is that, you know, it's not real, right? Right. And that that's always a fun conversation. But when you watch an angle like that and that uh, belief or that, hey, I know this isn't real goes away. That's the magic of wrestling. And that's the magic of Terry Funk. And you never knew with Terry Funk, you could never say that's not real. No matter where he wrestled, no matter what he was doing, whether you were terrified he was going to hurt Hulk Hogan, whether you were terrified he was going to hurt the junkyard dog, Ric Flair, not once did anybody ever go, that shit's not real. Right. He was an innovator of wrestling, not only in the United States, but also in Japan. For sure. A wrestling well, God in Japan. Yeah. One of the most famous. When you look at the top, I was just listening. I think WH Park talked about this on uh, post wrestling. When you look, he'd say probably top three, like Brody, Hanson, Funk are probably like your most famous American wrestlers in Japan. And that's I mean, I hate to say it, but it's actually the Funk brothers that are huge in Japan. For some reason, they absolutely loved Dory Funk's style of catches catch can wrestling. Also, them as a team in Japan are still heralded as one of the greatest teams of all time. And think about the fact that all those guys that are big in Japan from the United States, from Texas, and I mean, I don't know exactly if the Funks got everybody into Japan, but influential with it. I mean, Dory's still wrestling up until a few years ago over there. Isn't it amazing that Dory Funk is still going and that Terry Funk is gone? I heard it was actually a work program where West Texas State University used to actually just send wrestlers straight to Japan to work. It's a nice little program. There was so many from West Texas State University. Crazy. Dusty, Tully. But yeah. Get Ted DiBiase. Sure. We're going to go on and on. Sure. Oh, yeah. now, other than like, you know, maybe... Uh, not even Flair. I can't think of anybody who went to so many different promotions and was on top or, you know, involved. Like, you look, Terry was involved in the golden era with Hogan, the attitude era he had with Mick Foley. He was part of that. And then, of course, the NWA with Flair, the classic NWA where he's having classic matches with Harley Race, all his stuff in Japan. And then what he would do with ECW years later. Like, I can't think of a guy who did more for professional wrestling as a whole than Terry Funk. And the thing, one of the things that's really big in to go along with what you're saying is uh, to me, this is, there's only two wrestlers left that put an end to our childhood. And that's Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair. Terry Funk is one of those last pieces to an era that unfortunately is going very quickly, but it's it's really coming to an end very quickly. Well said, AJ, and moving from one wrestling death to surprisingly another. Last night, we got the news that Bray Wyatt has passed away, and this was shocking to say the least. With Terry, it's sad. Terry was one of the greats, and as AJ says, 
that's part of our childhood, which is, you know, going fast. But with Bray on a human level, this man wasn't supposed to die yet. All right, he's younger than us. It's one of those things when I see pictures of like his wife and his kids, and I, you know, it's cliche almost, but my heart just goes out to them. Like, this is a guy so creative. You, know, you hear about all the time behind the scenes. And really, you know, again, drawing the comparison a little bit here to like what AJ was talking about with Terry in our childhood, that's our childhood. So it's a little easier to, you know, get wrapped up in things like that. Bray is one of those performers. That despite the fact that me and AJ would probably tell you we're both a little jaded at times, he could still wrap you in. And I know this run wasn't the biggest run, but when he initially came back at Extreme Rules and in the promo he did on SmackDown, I remember thinking, like, this guy's got the potential to be the biggest thing ever. And it's just wild and it's crazy. And he's one of those guys that we loved him. And then sometimes he'd get stuck in doing things we didn't necessarily like creative, but we always we always rooted for him, and we always couldn't wait till he'd come back. And we were even just recently, as a week ago, we were so excited because we heard the rumors were he was going to come back. And just to see this happen, it just feels you know like a gut shot. It's a little bit different than Jeff Hardy because Jeff Hardy is one of those people who has had his problems with drugs and his demons or whatever. But I put them in the same thought process now because. It hurts to know or not know what could have been. And that's the difference between him and Terry Funk is with Terry Funk, it's a part of our childhood that's now gone. We miss that. But this is one of those stars where he was so creative, so able to go in the ring. You just wonder. We know he had been dealing with health issues. We know he was apparently on the upswing from what we read in our reports that were released with the knowledge of the family that it ended up being a heart attack because he had gotten ill with uh, COVID from what I believe. He had exasperated issues from COVID. Yeah. That's right, heart issues. He was starting to return. He was on the road to recovery. They were looking forward to him possibly coming back. And then yesterday, out of nowhere, he got a heart attack. And, and you got to remember, that is something that a little bit runs in the family because Barry Windham, who is his uncle, yeah. has had multiple heart attacks. It, it, it's sad. It's really one of those cases of we'll never know. Similar to, I, I know you remember years ago when Art Barr passed away. Mm-hmm. Art Barr was one of those people that was extremely creative, and you just never know what passed away, what could have been. And yeah. at the end of the day, this is a young man who at 36 years old was a father, a husband. Yeah. And as much as we love the wrestling and don't know what could have been, we also don't know what could have been for his personal life and for his family. And my heart goes out to them and I wish them the best. Absolutely. What I thought was toughest about this was Bray Wyatt was such an original thinker in wrestling when things are so formulaic, if you look back now on his cinematic match with John Cena at WrestleMania, one of the wildest things, and he took things he was interested in, horror movies, heavy metal, different influences on him, and created his own thing. And I think it was tough because for some of that time, people were really putting down the presentation of the Firefly Funhouse or how Bray was being used. And I think, I hope now that he's gone, people will kind of respect that outside of the box thinking and celebrate it. And I just want to mention it here because from Riot Pro Josh last week, and we want to say Princess Josh, who we talked to from time to time, taking this hard. And I think that's because 
Bray was kind of like that mascot for those that weren't like mainstream accepted. He was almost underground and people juggalos people like that the fringes of society kind of really gravitated towards that so it's tough to see bray go well i think it's times like this you mentioned terry funk and the tape from the juggalos earlier it's people like this who really keep you asking who's going chicken hunting (laughs) i will say this i had talked about believability earlier with uh, terry funk and bray dipped into that supernatural yeah. So much, right? But if you look at original former uh, the Wyatt family when they came over, him, Harper, Rowan, and they had that creepy swap guy, almost an evangelist cult leader like, right? And that was done with a really good sense of realism too. And if you think about like big angles from like the last 10, 15 years or so, you know, not our childhood, not the 80s, early 90s, I can't help but think there was a point at a time when wrestling really maybe had me disenchanted a little bit, there was a group called the shield and a group called the Wyatt family. And they were built really strong and they faced off. And it was the first time before it became catchy that you had these two groups standing off with each other before they even touched. And everybody was chanting, this is awesome. So the guy could go and he had that sense of realism too. I think we can agree that when it comes to the shield, they've all reached their potential. Absolutely. They've all gone to where we thought that they would go. If there's one thing that the WWE dropped the ball on over the last decade, I think they dropped the ball with the Wyatt family. Luke Harper could have been much bigger than what he was. Tremendous wrestler. And then, of course, Bray Wyatt. I think that if they would have kept him more towards the original Bray Wyatt Mm. and a little less towards the Fiend side... I think they were looking for marketability, quite frankly, with children and stuff like that. But if they had stuck with that, I think they could have gone a lot farther. So here's something I, I saw recently, too. Unfortunately, a while back, makes it a little more sad. One of the reasons why Bray actually stayed away from that original character was out of loyalty and respect to Harper. Because that was kind of their thing. And he didn't feel like he could go on doing that anymore without Harper by his side. Which is understandable. Yeah. So... Yeah, that says a lot about him. Go ahead, Joe. Yep, that, that's what I was about to say. Now, you know, R.I.P. to the legend in Terry Funk, which I think, I mean, in wrestling years, like I heard on Wrestle Roast, Terry Funk was like 200. You don't see a wrestler make it to 80 very often. And I'm just glad he's finally at peace. Rough to hear about Bray Wyatt. I got to admit, I'm... I'm a little sap for energy after all this death talk. I'm a little down. We're gonna have you know what will bring you up. The number one thing to bring you up is Dubby. If you actually go to the website, use the code fans working, save yourself 10%. Those energies, all the capillaries, everything, you'll be on fire. And you know what? You'll do it without being filled with jitters because just a high quality high energy and it'll give you that burst that you need and that's why i am the founder of awesomeness and the creator of excitement and we really to go to w.gg use code fans working for 10 percent off and i gotta tell you i got the jitters a little bit from that shameless plug but let's move from heartfelt tribute to wrestling preview as we talk about all in all in, baby. We're going to just do some predictions here. I got to tell you, AJ, some of these I'm going to pick with my heart this time. Not even necessarily heart, what I think should happen. You took it out of the jar and it's re- pumping and it's ready to go. I got gotcha. you. 
Let's start off with a pre-show matchup. Probably the biggest pre-show matchup in a long, long time. Maybe ever. Aussie Open defended the Ring of Honor tag titles against the main event. MJF and Adam Cole. AJ, I feel like this is going to be a turn here. Where something's going to happen. And that's why we're doing this. To lead people into the pay-per-view. I don't think MJF is turning, though. I think Adam Cole is actually going to be the one to turn. I think Adam Cole's the bad guy too. I'm with you. I agree. I think it's going to be a turn for, and I think he's actually going to end up having the kingdom with him. I agree. Otherwise, yes. Robert Strong looks like a complete schmuck too, and I don't think we need to do that. We don't need to make him look like a schmuck. All he has to do to look like a schmuck is try to get into a fight with his wife and get his ass kicked. Jack Perry versus Hook for the FTW Championship. I don't I really think know. Hook's go over. I think Hook's got to go over too, but I don't really. I, this is more just like gun to my head. I'm picking Hook. You know? Yeah, I, I, I like both of them. I think they're both great characters. I will be honest with you. What I would love to see happen is I would love to see Hook as part of the actual combat club. That would be good. Yeah, but no. I think Hook's going over here. I know Jack Perry has talked about retiring the FTW belt. Maybe what should happen is Hook actually wins it in front of 80,000-something fans, and he retires it because that yeah, would probably it, be the, the belt's got to go. It, it, yeah. it, it, it literally has no meaning. Don't get me wrong. I love Taz. You know I love Taz. I love what the um, FTW belt has meant through the years, but it's not an AEW title. Get rid of it. And from FTW, we're going to go to FTR. All right, FTR defends the AEW World Tag Tales against the Young Bucks. Now, we know we're both huge FTR fans. Now, I don't think they can go me, over. If you asked me a few weeks ago, I, FTR should go over, and I want them to go over, now I have to say no to both of those. Because, I, don't, I don't think they can, unfortunately, with what's going on with Cash. And, uh, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not presuming Cash to be guilty. No. But unfortunately, when you're in that situation, you right. can't have your tag team titles on them. Right now, you have to take them off them and put them on the box. Because I'm old school, and more than anything, I like it. I think a champion should have to drop the belt. You know, yeah. I don't like tournaments. I don't like, unless it's absolutely necessary, I don't like a champion having to be stripped or withdrawn. So, yes, we have this opportunity. The Bucks should plus go. It gives, plus, it gives FTR a good payday for Cash's legal defense fund. And I want the Bucks to go over in this situation until we know. Unless we get Cash is innocent like 24 hours before this thing starts and some breaking news comes out, then by all means. But right now. Like I said, I'm not assuming guilt here. I'm not assuming yeah. that he's guilty. But you can't take the chance as a company. Agreed. Women's championship match. Akaroshita, Tony Storm, Dr. Britt Baker, and Soraya. Anyone think- but Soraya. I think it's going to be Soraya, possibly. I know. Although, I would love to see Tony Storm as a three-time, but that's not going to happen, I don't think. Yeah. I can't I'll, pick I'll against Soraya. I'll give you one. I'll give you an alternative option. Britt Baker, because she's going to join the heel group with her husband or her boyfriend, Adam Cole, later, maybe. She definitely could. I will tell you, the disappointing thing about this match is that Tony Khan originally wanted Jamie Hayter to be huge going home to Britain. And unfortunately, due to injury, obviously, she was not a, not able to compete. So that is the sad thing about this. But I see either Britt or I see Soraya going over in this. Same. I say Tony Storm steals it from Soraya. Wow. I, that would be a good heel move. Yeah, I'd like to see it. By the way, is she trying to look like Marilyn Monroe? Is that what we're going for here? Why do you said that? I just saw somebody online. He took a video of them heckling Soraya and uh, Tony Storm. 
And he actually said, hey, easy, Marilyn Monroe. And so then they gave him some crap and they were having a little fun with it. But yeah, so you're not the first person to think of that, too. Yeah, there is a Marilyn Monroe thing going on there. All right, in a match, I'm scared. Darby Allen and God knows what Sting will do versus Christian Cage and Swerve Strickland. You got to go with Darby and Sting, I think. I think so. I think England is going to be off the hook, though, for Sting. I expect that to be one of the biggest pops of the night, to be honest with you. I think they're going to go absolutely crazy for him. I agree. Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, and Kota Ibushi versus Kanosuke Takeshita, Bullet Club's Juice Robinson, and Jay White. So here's what I found out. Takeshita is supposed to have a match with Kenny Omega at uh, All Out the following week. So knowing that, I'm going to guess Takeshita gets the pin over Kenny Omega and Jay White and Juice and Takeshita win. Now, what I want to have happen is Jay White actually pins Kenny Omega, and they have the match the following week. No, I'm under- just glad with the two golden factions, they didn't make this a golden shower match. And then on that note, I agree with you. I do think Takesha has got to get the win here. I think that it's important for where he's at in his development. You can't do anything to Omega to hurt him at this point. That whole golden elite team, there's nothing you can do to really, they're all bulletproof, except for maybe Hangman. And then I, I agree with you. I think you got to. Match number seven, Eddie Kingston, Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, and Trent Beretta, and Penta El Zero versus the Blackpool Combat Club and Santana and Ortiz. I gotta go. I love that they brought back Santana and Ortiz for this. I don't know if they're back full time or not. I don't know if you've heard anything about that. I think they're going over. I think I do. I got to think they're going over. Unless there's some. You have two weak links on the other team. You know, I like the best of friends. Right. Chuck and Trent, either one of them can be pinned at any time by the other team. Yeah, so could Yuta. I mean, you know, but yeah, I think I think the Cloudback Club is going over here. Osprey and Jericho, this might be oh. match tonight. Osprey is one of the best wrestlers in the world, if you don't know. If, and, if not the best. I think he probably is. <laughs> uh, I got to go with Osprey here in front of 80,000 Wembley fans. I love Osprey. I love the fact that he pointed out that his contract's coming up in 24 too. Right. Could you imagine uh, what a steal that would be if AEW could sign Osprey? If I'm if I'm AEW, I'm hoping to get Osprey. Right. I put him over here just for that matter. So uh, I'm hoping Osprey goes over. Me too. CM Punk Samoa Joe. I love me some Samoa Joe. It's not his time. CM Punk's gonna go over because we're setting up a big match with Punk. I'd imagine MJF Cole. There's eventually gonna be a title versus real world champion match. And how interesting could it be if it is, say, Cole and the Kingdom against, uh, and then CM Punk, Punk has to actually battle them. It's going to be a lot harder for Punk to go over four guys. Although, I, here's a twist. Here's a twist that could happen. What if the Kingdom's not actually against MJF? What if they turn and MJF is actually with the Kingdom? Very possible, too. There's a lot of different ways this thing could play out. I, what if I think, I was thinking about this, like, what if the original plan was that they were going to have us in the palm in our hands? And before things happened with FTR, we were going to get Punk and FTR facing off with the Bucks and Kenny Omega, possibly, you know? know? Well, we also have to wonder what would have happened if Brian Danielson didn't break his arm. Yeah, where would he be in this card? All right, this is an interesting one. House of Black defending the Trios Championship against Billy Gunn and the Acclaimed. AJ! I think Billy Gunn's going over. Billy Gunn with the Acclaim. All right. Or? Uh, Or he's turning. He's turning on him. Right. Uh, so good on them and good on Billy because what they did was they did a classic where I would expect Billy didn't touch anybody. And as me and AJ yeah. have known over the years, that usually means they're turning. 
But Billy gave such a passionate speech about this being his last possible hurrah and them going for it. You also felt like, oh, they could pull the trigger and put the belts on him. I was 50-50 on this, too. What's the been the knock on Billy Gunn for most of his career? Oh, it's most of his career. in his interviews, and he's killed Absolutely. It. Yeah. yeah. And absolutely. now he's killing it. All of a sudden, we're like, where has this been for the last 30 years mm-hmm. of 32 years? It's Damn. one of those things where he's got us in the palm of his hands. Yeah. We don't know which way he's going to go. I'm and that's why my prediction was the way it was. Yeah. Either he's going to turn or they're going to put the belts on him because I don't know. Yeah, it's well, it was well done. And this is the most well done thing on this whole show. The main event, MJF, Adam Cole. It could go several different ways. Even if Cole turns on him in the beginning, I could see MJF outsmarting him in the end and still being the heel who, you know, they're both heels at the end of this. I'm going sad- to go with my heart and I'm going to go with Adam Cole because Adam Cole as a heel with a faction is Adam Cole at his best. And I'd like to see that guy back. I'd like to see that guy with a championship. Although the sad part is, is like everybody else, I love this tag team. Yeah, me too. And you could. And I've heard too. I heard him talk about on post too. Maybe you could still do an angle where they tease it, but they don't. They hug hands and they, and they could turn on each other down the road. Or they turn on each other and they have so much admiration for both of them going heel. Yes. Stay as a team. I would love it. There's so many ways you could do this. But in the end, I'm just going to go with my heart and I'm going to go I'm with Adam. Adam Cole. Yeah. Quick note Adam Cole and MJF were on the show Hot Ones on YouTube. Very interesting watch if you haven't checked it out. Also, I wanted to report that WWE is, I guess, increasing royalty sales for Bray Wyatt's merchandise to help support his family. So. Uh- if you want to help out a family in need, you can go get Bray Wyatt gear there and support them. Or if you just want to be entertained on a rainy Sunday afternoon, there's only really one place to go. That's WrestleBill. Read about the Northern Wrestling Federation in the book presented by WrestleVille.com, the, the Pro, Pro Wrestling Fault, Volume 2. Hear the story of Roger Ruffin, the man who trained Carl Anderson, Anderson, the Monster Abyss, Jordan Clearwater, Chris Harrison, Jillian Hall. Plus 45 other short stories, including Jazz, Bobby Eaton, Kamala, Thunder Rosa, Mario Mancini, Scott Casey, PJ Black, Carrie Morton, Sal Renaro, Jeremiah Plunkett, Colby Carino, Bam Bam Malone, and many others. Get your book today at Russellville.com. Russellville, it's where wrestling lives. 